Welcome. Welcome, everyone. Betty, we've just got a beautiful deep dive today. <laughs> a deep dive with Jesus and the Holy Spirit as we approach the happy dream. Uh, this is part of our happy dream uh, online retreat. So we have a whole group of uh, participants that are just in the middle of the happy dream online retreat, and they've been sharing their their questions and prayers and their their really their direction for wanting to open to happiness. And then we also have uh, our movie workshop group from around the world joining in. So it's a big uh, melting pot today of happiness. We are swirling towards happiness. We are in the tractor beam of happiness and Jesus has got us. And uh, it is, resistance is futile. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I hope you're as glad as I am that there's no way you can actually uh, choose against God's will in reality because God's will for us is perfect happiness and that's what it's all about. And uh, we have lots of opportunities to to forgive, as we know, every day. But once you start getting into the rhythm of it and you see the value of it, you actually start to feel a little bit more like a happy learner. And once you start to feel like a happy learner, you're a willing learner. You're really willing to unlearn everything that you believe about this world. And you're willing to let go of all your thoughts about the past and the future and be pretty clueless and spontaneous, uh, I would say, is the way you'll feel when you empty your mind of uh, all these other things that you've pursued in your life. You'll feel pretty clueless and happy, pretty content. <laughs> pretty is a good word. You'll feel pretty. I feel pretty. I feel so pretty. Da, 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 da. You know, you feel actually pretty when you don't have judgments in your mind and opinions. <laughs> it was it was difficult to hold opinions. So, uh, as I said a bit when Francis and I opened up the the Happy Dream Retreat, uh, before you come to a state of uh, consistent happiness, you seem to go through what I'll call a dismantling. It's a dismantling of, of the self-concept, of the image that you believe you are and the image you believe the world is. So, you know, some of you may say, well, it's, it's quite a big adventure to let go of this personality self, but you have to let go of the self-concept of the whole cosmos too. You have to let go of your belief in external wars, external famine. You have to let go of your belief in external countries, uh, in external politicians. You have to let go of your belief in external stars and quasars and black holes. And you have to start to realize, oh my gosh, I, I'm the dreamer of this dream and uh, there's nothing outside of me and there's nothing that can hurt me and nothing can harm me. And in order to go through this dismantling, all you have to do is follow the guidance the guidance of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It's really simple. It's not a complicated thing. Ego will try to make it complicated and will try to say, but, 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 but. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the truth is simple and the ego is like, but 
what about the complexity? You're not interested in the complexity. You're not interested in the complexity. You know, we've had enough of complexity. It never solved anything. Uh, and so today's movie will take us from the paralysis of analysis into the glee of the present moment. <laughs> we're, we're going on spiritual psychotherapy now with Jesus. Uh, he's our therapist because he, he made it through time and space and realized it wasn't real. And he said, my kingdom is, is not of this world. Our kingdom is not of this world. Now that's the kind of therapist I want. I would sit on any couch to listen to that therapist. <laughs> In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to that therapist on the bus or taking a walk or in any situation, in any circumstance, because I think divine spirit is, of course, the greatest therapist, because it's helping you escape from the belief in time and space. So for those of you that are part of the online retreat, you may not know that the way we choose these uh, movies is through prayer. And uh, I've been praying on this one uh, for a while, but when I heard the participants uh, of the retreat just oh so openly sharing their struggles of where they're at, whether it's with health issues, whether it's with financial issues, whether it's with relationship issues or struggles around um, self-doubt or difficulty uh, hearing the Holy Spirit in Jesus. This movie, I think, is, is going to be an answer to the prayer. So this movie today is an answer to a prayer for opening to the happy dream and also uh, people around the world in a number of different forums voted on the themes that that are underneath us showing this movie. So many people vote on these themes and then we take it to prayer and Jesus says, ah, got one for you. He always blows us away. Like Pete said, uh, Pete's never seen this movie. I think you're all gonna enjoy it. Uh, we have many great movies that we use for teaching purposes, but I just love it when Jesus gives us a new one that, I, that none of us have seen. It's like, he's got a lot of movies up his sleeve. <laughs> we don't even know how many movies he's got up his sleeve, but he's, he's certainly giving us a lot of great movies. So here are the themes that you voted for uh, leading up to this movie. They fit so beautifully, they dovetail into opening to the happy dream. Number one, coming in with the most votes by far was surrender to the flow. Let go of analysis. <laughs> All the hippies from the 60s would love it today. Yes, finally, go with the flow. Let go of analysis. Get out your hula hoops. Let's do some hula hooping. Let's have some fun. Come on, people now. Smile on your brother, everybody get together. Try to love one another right now. If I had it, I'd put on some big sideburns in a big wig today. <laughs> the hippies would love it. We're going for, we're going for go with the flow. 
That's what uh, John Lennon and Yoko were trying to teach us <laughs> years ago, how to go with the flow and live your life going with the flow, going with the guidance of the spirit, your intuition. Number two, remember to laugh. Oh my gosh, you voted again for laughter. And Jesus, Jesus is loving this. He's like, oh, you want to laugh? Okay, I'll, I'll give you a comedy movie again if you're so intent on waking up to the happy dream and you want to laugh, remember to laugh. That's our second, second theme. So this movie is, is, is a comedy. Third one, transfer the training to all situations. Make no exceptions. That's basically one of the two guidelines that Jesus gave us in the workbook. Uh, transfer the training, practice the lessons every day, try to transfer the training to all persons and situations without exception as best you can. So our third theme is basically one of the two guidelines of the workbook of A Course in Miracles. Next is called, it's being uncompromising about answering the call. That's a theme I, I started talking about, and Francis and I were talking about uh, Friday when we opened the Happy Dream Retreat about answering the call. There's great joy and happiness in answering your divine calling. And when you resist answering your divine calling, there's frustration, resistance, doubt, confusion. You know, it's not a pretty picture when you resist your divine calling, because it's your real self that's calling you to be your real self. <laughs> so there really can't be anything better than that. That's what your intuition is. It's, it's calling you to be the real you, the happy you, the joyful you, the you that God created, the spirit you. That's, that's all what answering the call is about. And the final one is releasing attraction to being a victim. That got 45 votes. And basically all of us know that when we believe in the thoughts and beliefs that tell us that we're a victim of the world or we're a victim of other people, or even that we're the victim of circumstances, that is the ego trying to keep us small trying to keep us weak and limited. Uh, in truth, there is no such thing as mistreatment. There is no such thing as abuse. Uh, there is no such thing as, as being a victim. Uh, if you bring it all the way back to God, why would God create victims? You know, that doesn't seem like a, a concept that God would have anything to do with. If God is pure love, why would God create victims? <laughs> Why would God create abuse? You know, uh, I, th I think uh, Wenji was starting to ask me that question, like, you know, does God make us suffer? Does God put us through lessons and test us and make us suffer? A no, a no, and a no <laughs> to all those three things. Nada, nada, nada. God is the God of love. Love doesn't have anything to do with uh, the distortions of the ego, because God didn't create the ego. The ego is the belief that separation from God is possible. 
and separation from God is not possible. So EGO is the acronym Edging God Out. It's trying to make up a world and an identity where there is no God. But that's ridiculous because God is all. God, love is all. Even the Beatles, they had it right, you know, all you need is love. Ba -ba -da -da -da. You know, they had it right. And while we believe we're in this world, we could say all we need is love <laughs> in our hearts. And that's where we find our, our happiness. So I want to again come back to the teachings of A Course in Miracles where Jesus says, you cannot bring the truth into the illusion. You must bring the illusions that you hold on into your mind to the truth within to the light within, and those illusions will disappear. That's the core teaching of A Course in Miracles, is you can't bring truth into illusions. You can only bring illusions to truth, and they will disappear. And that's something that takes a while for us to grasp, because we're so used throughout history, we tried to make great temples and churches uh, to reach God. The Tower of Babel, the famous story of trying to build a tower so high that you would reach God. The only problem is, is God isn't in the sky. <laughs> God, God isn't in the, in the celestial realms. God is in everything I see because God is in my mind. But that, that internal experience of truth can only be found by putting that as your top priority, and then bringing all the, the dark thoughts, all the guilt, all the shame, bringing that to the light, not hiding it, not hiding it, but just saying, I'm feeling bad, I, 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 I must believe something that's not true, please let me offer this feeling and this thought and this belief over to you and take it from me, take this from me. And that's how spiritual awakening occurs, is when you don't hide and protect anything, you don't keep anything buried in the subconscious mind. You know, you can just start right now with the prayer of your heart and just start calling out to the unconscious mind, Ali Ali income free, okay, you can come up now. <laughs> you can, whatever's down there, oh, the boogeyman's down there, okay, boogeyman, you're welcome too, everything's welcome. Uh, come on up. Uh, I, can, I can see all of this will be shown away in the light, but I'm not going to hide and protect the darkness anymore. I'm not going to repress it. I'm not going to suppress it. I'm going to pray that it comes up so I can release it to the light and, and know my true self. That's the basic teaching. Now, it's good that we have a happy dream retreat because what I, I was sharing and what Francis was sharing is that you have to really go through the steps of releasing the self-concept. Um, Jesus tells us in the Course that hey, don't be afraid that you're going to get hurled into the light because that would be more traumatic, he says, than beatific. So basically he's saying, what you're experiencing as spiritual awakening is the most gentle process that I can give you because you have an extreme addiction to darkness. You're extremely addicted to fear, extremely addicted to shame, 
you're extremely addicted to guilt. And, and I'm not using those words lightly. Jesus knows there's an extreme addiction, and that's why the process of awakening has to be gentle. Just like if you had a child who was in the middle of a nightmare and you went into their room, and if you turned on the light and you shook them very hard to wake them up, they may perceive that you are a monster in their dream, <laughs> in their nightmare a monster with a big bright light. But if you were a loving parent, you would go in there very gently and maybe whisper very softly or maybe a soft caress on the shoulder or the back and gently try to waken the child from the nightmare. You would not do an aggressive wake up because if the child is in the middle of the nightmare, then it could be misperceived as an attack because that's what a nightmare is. It's, it's a acting out of attack in the mind. So, when we talk about spiritual awakening, we have to admit that there will be a period of time where there will seem to be a dismantling of the personality self and the self-concept of the world. And I say, this, this can seem to be a struggle and a challenge only to the ego, because obviously when you're in your right mind, you're welcoming this, this uh, falling apart. You're welcoming it. You're saying, good, let it go. It never, it never served me, really. It never served, never made me happy anyway. But the ego is seeing this as a loss because the ego made a false self-image and now it doesn't want you to lose the false self-image because it, it's, its existence in your mind depends on you keeping this false self-image. And you don't want to do that. You know, there's no way you want to hang on to this uh, image of yourself. You want the real you. You want the spirit you. You want the Christ you. Now, to go through this dismantling is not going to just entail a phase of studying A Course in Miracles. I one time did a video and I, the title of the video was Studying A Course in Miracles is not enough. <laughs> that was the title of the video. You're not, Jesus didn't want you to be, end up being a, just a course student. You know, that's, that's just a, a little symbol along the way. But you're not to be a, a course scholar. Um, the ego would have you, you know, try to just try to intellectualize the course and keep your personality self and keep the world as it is and then be a Course in Miracles expert or scholar. And Jesus is like, eh, I've got, I've got bigger plans here. <laughs> I want you to wake up to the light not just uh, rehash symbols over and over and over for 30, 40 years. I want you to actually have an experience of, of who you are, because the Christ Self is, is who we are, and, and there, is no, there is no substitute for that. Anything we could come up with in this world is a poor substitute for being a pure spiritual being of love and light. So, during the first session of the Happy Dream Retreat, we had different ones were saying, how, 
the intensity that they're facing, the fear that they're facing, the panic that they're facing. And I was basically saying, well, Jesus has got the movie for you this weekend. Today, uh, he's going to show us some characters that are going to go through uh, a dismantling. And, um, and when you seem to go through the dismantling, it's a bit awkward. Uh, you know, even the word dismantling doesn't, it doesn't really sound too appealing until you realize that it's, it's actually required and necessary to break through the other side, to come through to the light. You have to, you have to seem to fall apart like Humpty Dumpty did in the uh, famous fairy tale. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. So in one sense, the ego is like this egg. It is Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> and, and it's going to fall off the wall. I'm in for it. Are you guys in with me? Let's let the, let the egg fall. <laughs> it's destined to fall and crack anyway, so might as well get on with it, you know? Why, why fool around, you know? Why, to, why try to prevent the inevitable? Because the ego is not reality, so of course it's going to fall and of course it's going to crack. And I was saying during the, the yesterday's session that you want that crack to occur because the light will come streaming through the crack. And then you'll go, whoa, <laughs> that's, that's what I always wanted was the light. I, I wanted to bathe in that experience of the light. I don't, I, I didn't know the light was there, but it's there all right. And I can see it's coming through, streaming through the cracks. So in that sense, all is not lost when things seem to crack apart in your life. So our movie for today is called How Do You Know? And uh, this movie goes back uh, a little bit over a decade. And uh, our main stars today, we have a great cast, Reese Witherspoon. Oh my gosh, she's gonna play Lisa. <laughs> then um, Paul Rudd is playing uh, George. We we have, um, Jack Nicholson playing uh, George's father, Charles, and uh, Owen Wilson playing Maddie. And it's just a beautiful cast. And it's a relationship movie in which the two main characters uh, are going to have their world fall apart. Um, Lisa, uh, who's played by Reese Witherspoon, is a uh, is a basically a, a professional uh, softball player. She's very good at what she does. She's very happy at what she does. She's having so much fun in her softball career for uh, Team United States, for Team USA, that basically uh, she's, her whole life revolves around softball. <laughs> And she's good at it. She's really good at it. She's kind of the, the lifeblood of the whole team. She basically uh, has the love and respect of everyone on the team. And then as she starts to grow older in, 
softball terms, she turns 31. Uh, they have a new a new management uh, team that comes in for Team USA, and they basically are going to let her go. So her whole world uh, will seem to teeter uh, as, as softball is her life. And when the softball is gone, then she really has to face things in her mind. And, and then George, uh, played by Paul Rudd, is the same. He's, um, he's an executive in his father, Charles' company. And um, he's a pretty, he's a decent guy. You know, he never, he's not trying to do anybody wrong. He's not trying to cheat anybody. He's, he's, he's basically a pretty sweet guy. Of course, he has his own unworthiness and, and uh, internal struggles around relationships like everyone on planet Earth. But uh, he's a pretty decent guy. And then suddenly uh, things are going to go in a big turn uh, in his life too. He's going to be accused of wrongdoing. He's going to receive a, a federal indictment investigating him for some kind of wrongdoing or fraud. And um, he doesn't really understand what's happening, but basically most everyone around him is going to start to get run away from him because they, see, they think, wow, he is going down. He's being investigated by the federal government and nobody wants to be close to him. Uh, they fear for their own lives. Uh, in this, and including his his father, his dear secretary, and his colleagues. Basically, they're just going to all turn their back on him. And so what we have is a movie that's going to show us the dismantling of the self-concept for the, the main characters, for Lisa and for George. Uh, most people don't react actually very well when their world starts to fall apart. When they start to have the worst day of their life, they start to panic or they start to question, what have I done with my life? Why is this happening to me? Uh, you know, those are the things that come up in the mind when your world starts to fall apart. What did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? Why, why is, are these horrible things happening to me. Uh, and for, for Lisa, you know, she's kind of, she wants to be positive. You know, when you're, when you're kind of the inspirational leader of your softball team, you want to be positive. So she's into affirmations. She's got little post-it notes on her mirror. She's into self-help. Uh, she's She's trying to be the positive girl that people can trust and turn to that keeps the positive vibe for the team so they can win. But when her world starts to fall apart, then she starts to wonder, oh my gosh, what do I do now? I, I should get it together. I should, I'm the positive one, I should have it together. And it's hard when you have a positive self-concept and it starts to crack. <laughs> you know, she, has, 
she has such a positive self-concept that that she does all these affirmations and all these self-help uh, techniques, but uh, part of her uh, benefits of, of her job, softball uh, job, is that she has a, a free therapy session, uh, but she doesn't even believe in therapy. She just tells herself, I don't need therapy. I am, I've got it together. I'm, I've got it all together. So she's, she has pulled some things from therapy that she uses in her mind. But a lot of these things are kind of, they're analytical. They're very uh, intellectual and analytical. So she's now dismissed therapy. <laughs> because she feels like I've got enough cliches and enough uh, positive things to keep it together. Well, actually, positive thoughts and negative thoughts are two sides of the ego. Uh, basically, when we try to prop up a self-image with positive thinking, that's going to crack too. That's going to crack. And, and so, of course, so will the negative ones too. Uh, the, they will crack as well. But we're asked to to open our minds up to the Holy Spirit's guidance and to the guidance of Jesus, who will direct us specifically how to unwind from this faulty self-concept, and will empty our mind of everything we think we think and think we know. And that means the positive and the negative. Uh, positive judgments are just as harmful in keeping you from the present moment as are negative. In the Course in Miracles, Jesus says, uh, "You're basically, you're, you have some dark thoughts, which we could call the negative thoughts, and then your positive thoughts are just shadows of the light. <laughs> How do you like that? Jesus calls positive thoughts shadows of the light. And he knows that we will never be content with shadows. Even these positive self-concept uh, thoughts are just shadows of the light, and they will never satisf satisfy us eternally, because our real thoughts are pure spiritual thoughts. What's a real thought? Well, there's a there's a line in the there's a workbook lesson. I am as God created me. That's actually a real thought. <laughs> it's not a perceptual thought. But that's a real thought. I am as God created me. That's a real thought. I am spirit. That's another example for another workbook lesson. That's a real thought. There's no perceptual component to it. There's no body in those thoughts. There, there's no body at all in those thoughts. Those are just purely spiritual ideas. So in this movie, I think it's a, a very, very, very good teaching movie because we need examples to see when, when a, the main character's world seems to fall apart, how do, they, how do they deal with this? Because we've had those same experiences where it's felt like our world is teetering and falling apart. And we have to start to realize that the spirit is orchestrating everything in our perception to bring us back into our mind, into the light. What we could say is that 
in terms of the self-concept, many of us have, have this word vocation. What is your vocation? What is your job? What is your career? In this world, vocation seems to be something that's very important because it involves the survival of the body. What does Jesus have to say? Mm, he says, no, no, your vocation is healing. Healing your mind, period. Uh, the vocation is not about earning money, even though that's what you believe in. The vocation is really not survival of the body because the body, as I said, during the first session of the happy dream retreat, the body's just a learning device. You know, the body's just a learning device to help you free your mind from the ego. And the body is nothing more than that. I was using the example of a, of a pen and a marker yesterday. <laughs> you know, you can obviously see that this is a communication device. This is a writing device. It's, it's a device that's often used for, for learning. But we don't need to invest our identity in this thing. Uh, we don't need to make a career out of this <laughs> learning device. We don't need to try to make it famous or wealthy. Uh, learning devices are to find the spirit with. They're not, they're not meant to be made famous or wealthy. They're not meant to endow with all these skills unless you give the skills to the Holy Spirit and you say, oh, use the skills I've developed to bless the whole world, to bless all my brothers and sisters. Then you see this, the, the learning device and the skills can be used in a very helpful way. But the ego would try to use the skills and abilities to convince you that you're a person and you're a body, and that's not the lesson. Uh, the lesson is to forgive the body and forgive all the bodies and forgive the whole world. Like he says in uh, Lesson 189, forget this world, forget this course, and come with holy empty hands unto thy God. Now that we can put our heart into. If we've had amnesia and we forgot God, let's do a little reverse amnesia on the ego. Let's forget the ego. <laughs> let's forget the ego and remember God. Let's turn the tables. Let the Holy Spirit and Jesus turn the tables here on this whole game. Say, whoa, let's shift it around here. So Lisa and George, um, they, they are going to have uh, very difficult times as Lisa loses her, her vocation, her profession. And in one sense, George is, is also threatened with losing his profession and threatened with going to jail for something that he didn't do, to go to prison, uh, life in prison. So um, it's more psychological for Lisa. You know, she's like, wow, if I don't have softball, then who am I? What am I? What has meaning in my life uh, if, I, if I'm not uh, this very, competent, uh, admired softball player with all these uh, group of women that I are my teammates, if that's all gone, who am I and what am I? And with George, it's like, it's like well, if without this uh, career and without this uh, business, um, 
who am I uh, if my whole career is taken away? And I think this is an answer to the prayer of, of in our happy dream re retreat where, where people are saying, wow, I've, things do seem to be falling apart. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm faced with challenges that I didn't think would be coming. I thought God would take care of me. Yeah, God, the Holy Spirit is taking care of you all right, but that that is part of the, the healing, is the, is the divesting from the self-concept. It's starting to let go of the appearances. It's starting to let go of the images that you've held about yourself. That's all very healthy. That's, that's part of the healing process, is letting go. Surrendering, you know, surrendering to know God's will, surrendering to the guidance and instructions of the Holy Spirit and Jesus. That's all part of the, the spiritual process of awakening. So, um, when we look at this movie too, um, George has got some pretty strong entanglements with his father. I know some of you are going through this spiritual awakening and you're going, wow, it is intense with my biological family. Maybe it's with children or parents, maybe it's with your siblings. Um, it can be pretty intense when you start to wake up and you start to realize you aren't who you thought you were. <laughs> and yet the, the people seem to be pointing to you as if you still are the, that one. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> and you can't really explain this to anybody either. <laughs> You know, you know, try telling your mom you're, that she's not really your mom, <laughs> you're dead. Try to have one of those metaphysical conversations and tell me how it goes. <laughs> you know, we all start to realize it's, it's a little sticky when we start to release these concepts from the past, because there's a lot of investment it's not just in our, our mind, it's, it's also reflected in our, in our siblings, our, our co-workers, our friends, our neighbors, uh, in our biological family. So George, basically, he's got a father, and his father is played by Jack Nicholson, <laughs> Charles. <laughs> and let's hear it for moms and dads. Can they play out those expectations in our mind? for our future? <laughs> yes, they can. Bravo! Mom, standing ovation. Dad, great job. You really acted out those unconscious uh, expectations that I believed in about my life. And, and that's part of the humor of this, is that uh, George, uh, Charles has a lot of uh, pretty strong expectations and a criticisms and opinions about his, his son, George. And George is a pretty sweet guy, but if you constantly have your father telling you, you know, you're, you're weak or you're a wimp or you're not good enough, you know, it's not easy to go through life with a, a parental figure telling you you're not good enough. You're, you're not a good enough son, you're not a good enough person. It's just a projection of guilt. And we need a movie that helps us untangle from this guilt. 
because we can't blame the characters. We can't blame mom and dad. We can't blame brothers and sisters and children. It's all a projection of the mind. And we have to let the guilt be dissolved in. We have to raise up our unconscious mind, raise up that unconscious guilt, welcome it, and then give it over to the spirit and watch it disappear instantly once we give it over. But if we hide and protect it, it's not going to be released. Um, it's, it's going to be clung to, held, pushed down, pushed out of awareness. And this is what happens in our relationships. You know, we, we get, we're attracted to certain people and we're repulsed by other people. Those, those qualities of attraction and repulsion are part of the ego. And it's part of the ego's game to keep us guilty. It keeps us caught in the loop of attraction and repulsion. And oftentimes, as we start to practice this, the course, we start to dismantle, and then we start to really say, who can I trust? Who are my friends? And what is it that I want to really see in my brothers and sisters? Do I really want to see them innocent? Do I really want to see them without blame? Do I really want to see them in their perfection, which is their spiritual reality? Or do I want to keep seeing them from the past, which is the ego? And that past association stream of thought that can seem pretty strong in our minds. You know, we, we're, we're quite, we've been addicted to it, to this false uh, stream of thought of who people are and who we are as a person. And, and it takes a, a bit of uh, loosening to, to help us to be free of, of this. Now, one thing that we try to do a lot of times when our world falls apart is we're, we're, we try to grab onto some semblance of love, of acceptance, of some semblance of, of connection. And the way we do this is we do this through relationships. Um, this this whole cosmos, sometimes I just call the whole cosmos Distractionville. And part of Distractionville is seeking for love in, in form. And we do this in terms of looking for love in interpersonal romantic relationships. And what we find is we get a mixed experience. We, we get ooh-la-la -la and we get pain. <laughs> and hurt. It's, it's, a, it's a mixed bag when we go for it in this, in this way. So in this movie, Lisa, she's, you know, she's going to lose her whole identity as a, as a softball player, and she is going to try to grab a hold of some kind of intimacy in a relationship, and she's going to try to uh, She's going to try to console herself by having a relationship with the professional major league baseball pitcher for the Washington Nationals. <laughs> you see, if you're losing your whole softball identity, why not get into a relationship with a professional baseball player, you know, <laughs> vicariously still cling to 
the softball identity, but now I'll do it through a man, <laughs> a professional baseball player, played by Owen, Owen Wilson, uh, with his blonde hair and his sweet baby eyes. And uh, that's Maddie. She's going to try to distract away uh, her sadness and hurt by getting into a relationship with Maddie. And uh, Maddie, I would say, like many professional baseball players, he has a huge fear of intimacy. <laughs> he, he, he doesn't mind the body of Lisa, but he's not so interested in communicating with her. He doesn't want to hear her problems. He doesn't want to hear what's going on internally. He just wants her body, basically, in, in his life. And and this is what happens. This is this is because when we believe we're a human being, we're, we have a concept that's sitting on an unconscious mind. And if we could listen, what is this unconscious mind telling us? It's saying, you're special, you're special, and you deserve a special partner. <laughs> you see, that's how, that's how the unconscious talks. You're special, and you deserve specialness. And then we chase after it, and it, it goes good for a while, and then it blows apart, or it falls apart, or it turns into abandonment, betrayal, you know, it, we get to see what was underneath it. it, you know, abandonment, betrayal, rejection, you know, all kinds of dark emotions. So, so Lisa is going to try to distract herself away from her sadness, her inner sadness about losing her life and world as she knew it, with with Maddie, and uh, for George, he's he's like a fish out of water. He doesn't know what to do because everybody seems to be turning away from him. He's being uh, indicted for something he doesn't even know what he did wrong. He didn't do anything wrong, but the world is witnessing to him that that he's done something terribly wrong, and so he's. He's just looking for a stream of hope. He's looking for a something, just anything to, to help help him turn away from these very dark feelings of, of unworthiness, extremely dark feelings of unworthiness. And eventually we're going to see the Spirit, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are going to bring these two, Lisa and George, together for healing. In the middle of the worst day of their life, in the middle of the worst time of their life, when everything is falling apart, he's going to bring these two together for the purposes of healing, to find the love, to find true love, to find true healing. And this is how the Holy Spirit works. He uses what you believe in to lift you out of what you believe in, to take you higher and higher and higher toward the light, take you back to the light. And that's the process of healing. But when you're going through the darkness, it's hard to uh, see clearly. You know, you, you may miss a lot of uh, guidances, you may miss a lot of, of inner prompts, 
because the self-doubt and the dark thoughts can seem so heavy that that even though the help is given you, you you may not recognize the help. The help might be right in front of you. <laughs> the help might be right in front of you, and yet when you're in a very dark state of mind, you can't always realize that the help is there. You may protest, <laughs> you may vehemently protest, but the spirit is there saying, I'm, I'm right here. You, you, you prayed for this, you, you prayed for, for happiness, you prayed for love, you prayed for connection, so I'm sending you what you need the most to free you from your false beliefs. You see, I'm not trying to, he's not trying to send us a certain circumstance, he's sending us what will allow us to release these false beliefs and these false thoughts. It's like the old story when, when you're hungry, will God give you a fish or will God teach you to fish? You see, teaching you to fish gives you the sustenance. You can fish and fish and fish for whatever you need, but just giving you the fish <laughs> is, is, is like a patchwork. Why would God give you a patchwork when God wants to give you the instructions for your consciousness so you can choose happiness? You can actually choose to be happy. You don't need circumstances to be a certain way or people to be a certain way, you just need instruction from the Holy Spirit on how to actually choose happiness. And that's what we're going to do with this movie today. We're going to practice learning how to release the false beliefs and then choose the happiness of the happy, the happy dream, which is always available to us. So, sit back, enjoy the movie, and uh, I'll be there during the movie, I'll pop in, and also uh, I'll pop in, uh, of course, after the movie for us to share, share that moment of healing release. Enjoy. So, this is a good example about when you have something intuitively that you sense a big change in your life, maybe something that's going to be difficult, and then you, you try to grasp on to something. Intuitively, she's saying, you know, this is not a relationship I should be getting into. Uh, you know, this, this is not really what I, I need. And it's, it's, okay, it's good as a friendship, but it's not really a relationship I need to be in. But then she doesn't completely follow her intuition because the analytical part of her mind is, which she's gotten from her cliches and her self-help books and uh, various uh, affirmations is basically saying, you know, don't judge anybody. And uh, why am I why am I judging you? But intuitively, there's something in her that's kind of saying, this isn't something I should be pursuing now. I've got a lot on my mind. I need to kind of sort through it and go deeper with it. But this is what makes it so difficult is when you have an intuition at times, the ego will come in with analysis. 
and it will try to analyze the situation and do the right thing based on its analysis. And this is never helpful. <laughs> this, is, this is why we call it the paralysis of analysis. When you keep an analyzing situations, is this right, is this wrong? Looking at factors, trying to use your past learning to analyze if this is a good thing or not, it's, it's going to create, it's going to generate confusion in your mind and indecision. And this is a, a big problem that is encountered during the, the spiritual awakening, overanalyzing things and, and feeling locked up and an in, inability to make decisions. Whereas your intuition wants you to tune in and make decisions with it, with the intuition, with the spirit. That's the way we wake up, is saying to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, decide for God, for me. That's the best state of mind to be in when you wake up in the morning, is to have that prayer on your heart. Holy Spirit, decide for God, for me. In other words, I would make no decisions by myself. I'm not going to let my past learning intrude on my decisions today, because my past learning is what got me into the mess. And my past learning is not going to get me out of a split mind, uh, of, of a self-concept. It takes present trust. You have to let present trust lead the way. It's a different orientation for moving through the day. It's like that's why Jesus put that section in the back of his text, Rules for Decision. He wanted to make it as plain and simple and direct as possible, that this is how you should go through the day. Here are your guidelines. These are your rules for decision, where you decide the kind of day that you want, and then you say to yourself, if I make no decisions by myself, this is the day that will be given me. Given me. I'm not here as a person to go out and try to aggressively tackle the day and make the day happen the way the person or the past learning would have it be through preferences. That's just the human condition. Uh, living each day based on past preferences and just repeating the same preferences and same mistakes over and over like Groundhog Day, and then wondering, why am I not happy? <laughs> well, yeah, if you're in the loop of the ego, that is not going to be happy because the ego is a death wish. So the ego wants you to feel guilty, wants you to be unhappy, wants you to worry, it wants you to feel fear. It, it, is generating all these dark emotions based on these thoughts and beliefs. And, and the problem is a thinking problem. It's thinking with the ego that's producing this perceptual world of distortions. And it's in thinking with the Holy Spirit and Jesus that, that straightens out perception, that starts to help you feel relaxed no matter where you seem to be, no matter what you seem to be doing. So we can see at this point, uh, George got his letter uh, saying that uh, he's he's uh, basically uh, being investigated by the United States government. And it was a very much of a shock to him, but 
But he didn't want to say that to his girlfriend because he was afraid he might lose her. So he didn't really transparently speak up. George didn't with his girlfriend. And his girlfriend was saying, I don't have time for you today anyway. Like, uh, I have no time for you. And he followed what she was saying and didn't really say, oh, I'm, I'm going through a difficult time here. I need to talk about this. So it just shows that when we play the ego's game of looking for specialness and acting that out in relationships, we aren't really so focused on authenticity. We're not focused on transparency. When we're searching for special relationships, we're not focused on true, real communication, on expressing feelings and emotions, on, on all the good things that, that help us heal. Instead, we are people-pleasing. We are pleasing our partners. Um, and this people-pleasing is very, very thick. It's part of an attraction to guilt. If you live your life trying to please others, trying to live for their approval, trying to live through their perceptions, what you believe is their perceptions, you will feel depressed, you will feel confused, you will feel unhappy and guilty. And that's just the way it goes. If you follow the ego, you feel its emotions. They're not your real emotions. Your real emotions are joy, are love of happiness. But if you follow the ego's thought system and perceptions, then you feel its emotions. And then you question yourself. What am I doing wrong? Am I ever going to find the way? You know, it will, it will keep you in that kind of a dark, dark loop. Okay, here we go. We're ready to see a little more. Welcome to planet Earth. You work hard to live a good life, have a decent job, pay your bills, uh, do everything you can to live a happy life on Earth, and then everything conspires to shoot it down. Suddenly, you are investi being investigated by the federal government for a wrongdoing you can't even fathom what it is. Suddenly, your girlfriend breaks up with you. <laughs> Suddenly, you start to realize that this world is a world of competition. Everybody's watching their own back. <laughs> your, your company lawyer basically says, you're going down and I can have no further contact with you. <laughs> your father, who runs the company, calls you a moron. <laughs> And, and basically starts to recount all the things in the past where you were taken advantage of, uh, belittling, belittling, belittling. And so we see George just going back, and he was a former bartender, so he is mixing up his drinks to get uh, good and drunk. But if we come back to what Jesus is teaching us in the Course, Jesus is saying, we have to let the darkness in our minds come to the surface. Even as painful as it is to be identified with those thoughts, we have to let them come up. Because when we drink, we're trying to push down our emotions. When we try to distract away in many, many ways, we're trying to avoid these 
dark emotions of feeling unworthy, of feeling less than, of feeling not good enough. These are like the core emotions that human beings face. It can be tied to something of the past, something that we believe happened to us. It can be tied to recent events, like uh, George is going through, seemingly being investigated by the federal government, uh, having his dad rail against him, and having his uh, the lawyer basically say, it's inappropriate for us to have any further contact. And his, uh, more than that, when he leaves uh, downtown, he goes to visit his girlfriend and pour his heart out and say, this is what's happening. Her response says, I don't think we're supposed to be together during this interval of your life. <laughs> Talk about everything and everyone fleeing uh, when you feel at your, at your lowest point the worst day of your life, and then everybody runs the other direction and says like they want nothing to do. Except your secretary, uh, basically, the secretary Annie listens to the tirade of his father and she almost plants a fist on the side of Jack Nicholson's face, you know, Charles's face, but uh, luckily she is restrained before she, she uh, hits the president of the company in the face. <laughs> but this is, is just, it's reminding us that this is the world that we are interacting with. This is the ego's world. God did not create this world. It's a world of mistrust. Like his father said, don't trust anybody, not even me. <laughs> uh, you know, his his girlfriend is like saying, basically, I don't have time for you. This is not a good match. Uh, if, if you're being investigated by the federal government, this is not a good match. <laughs> I have my life, my business, my needs to attend to, and I don't need to put that on top of it. So, this world is generated by the ego. It's a projected world of basically separation from God and everybody's on their own. Everybody's on their own. Everybody has to fight for themselves, fight to survive, fight to live, even in the body, as, as the ego would say. And this is a good baseline because we have to reach a point even during these days, which we could call our worst day, the purpose is healing. The purpose is let Humpty Dumpty fall. Let Humpty Dumpty fall off that wall. That, that there is a greater purpose even when things fall apart in our life. It's the same when somebody gets diagnosed with, with a, a terminal illness. You know, I've heard, I've heard so many stories where it was such a shock when they were diagnosed by the doctor with a terminal illness and told how long they had to live, that people have told me they started to examine their whole mind once they had that diagnosis. You know, they started to look at what's the purpose of life? What am I doing here? Why am I at this job? Why am I in these relationships? Sometimes a, even a diagnosis of a personal, uh, like a, a 
symptoms of, of a personal diagnosis can can be so shocking to the mind that the mind starts to question what's it all about? What is the meaning of life when it's confronted with something so serious? And this is the crack, this is the opening to healing. This is not a bad thing. As I've, I've said, there are no failures to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just sees cracks and openings in the consciousness and psyche where light can start streaming through. And we haven't seen it yet with Lisa here, our Reese Witherspoon character, because she's still waiting and she keeps checking on the internet for the announcement of the team roster to see if she's on the team, as she has been for many years. And so for her, she's intuitively feeling like, wow, something is something's up, but I don't know what it is. And she's gone off, uh, spent a night with Maddie, and she's wondering, uh, he's got all these toothbrushes, and he has different outfits for the girls that he has over, small, medium, and large. <laughs> and, and he says, she says, what is this? It's insulting. And he says, no, no, I, I'm, I'm being a good host. <laughs> this is a major professional baseball players who make in $16 million a year and who who tries to play host to all the girls that he has over for sex. And she intuitively senses this is not a good move right now in my life. But her analytical ego part of her mind is going, don't judge him. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit, the intuition is going like, yeah, take it easy here. Don't don't go running looking for external support if you're feeling sad. Uh, go inside and, and discover what it is. Go inside and discover so you can take steps with the Holy Spirit to be free of it. Because it's, it's always an internal conflict. It's a conflict in our mind. Even though the ego would tell us we have situational conflicts, relationship conflicts, financial crises, uh, we have issues with our boss, with, uh, with our, our career, with our job. And Jesus is saying, no, actually, you only have one issue, and that's your identity issue. You believe you're a person and a human being when God created you as a pure spirit. And that identity issue is being covered over by many, many other substitutions, substitute problems, pseudo problems that aren't really the problem at all. So this movie is going to really help us start to bring it back, reel it back in and say, I need help because I'm going through a spiritual crisis. I'm going through an identity crisis where I have believed in something from the past. And the Holy Spirit is trying to show me something in the present. And I'm afraid of what the Holy Spirit's going to show me because the ego is saying, don't even go there. Don't even go inside. Stay on the surface. Stay caught up in all the distractions and the mesmerism. Stay hypnotized by the world instead of face the darkness underneath. And Jesus is saying, I'm with you. I've got your hand. You can face this darkness inside. We'll, we'll go right past it. I'll show you that you are the light and the darkness cannot 
cannot triumph over you because you are love and, and perfect love casts out fear. So that's where Jesus is taking us. Okay, let's uh, see how it goes now. We're about ready to see Lisa uh, start to realize that um, she no longer is in the position that she thought she was. And so her whole world, which is based on softball, is about ready to tilt and uh, tilt over. So what George went through when he talked to his, um, his secretary, Annie, was he's already drunk, he's already heartbroken, and he discovers, she says, I can't talk to you, at least, you know, at least I can have outside girls talk to you, at least you have them talk to you. And he's like, what? They're directing people not to talk to me. That's another aspect of what this world is. This is a world of secrecy. This is a world of privacy, and this is a world of private minds. Everyone is believed to have their own private mind with their own private thoughts. And that's the basis of secrets. And so as soon as George is being investigated, all the big hush-hush comes in. Now, oh, nobody in the firm can talk to you. Uh, you've got to face this on your own. And this is how the ego perpetuates the situation, the separation. It's basically saying communication is very, very limited, and you can only talk to certain people at certain places and certain times about, about certain things. And there are those situations where privacy and secrecy is, is elevated, almost like worshipped. Uh, you're only supposed to say certain things to certain people, and, and you're not supposed to tell other people other things. This is the projection of the ego. This is this world. Private minds, private thoughts, and secrets. Because the ego itself is, is a, the belief in a private mind. The ego itself is a private thought. And the ego itself is a secret. Jesus tells us in the Course, he says, the secret of salvation is but this, you are doing this unto yourself. If you want to know what the secret is, is you believe in the ego, and you're doing this whole world to yourself, even though it's not real. Even though God didn't create it, and even though it doesn't exist, you're putting yourself in your own private, tortured hell. Perceptual hell. It's not a real hell because God didn't create it. It, it doesn't have anything to do with spirit or love or light. But when you start to feel bad, it's because of believing in the ego and nothing else. It's not that the effects of the ego, the perceptual world, which is just a projection, the world itself, there's no causation. There's Nobody's doing anything to anybody else. It's just a projection of guilt. And then the ego will try to pick out certain people and say, oh, they're blessed and they're holy, and then other people are tyrants. So let's just take a moment to think about, uh, you know, Adolf Hitler or Osama bin Laden uh, or... Uh, uh, 
you know, people now are, there's a big projection going on to Vladimir Putin. Uh, you know, there's a lot of projection that goes on to these characters. And the problem is, is believing in the ego. The, there are no evil people. And there aren't any good people either. Those are reflections, you might say. But still, if you keep dividing the world up and trying to project that, that guilt and, and pain out to the world, then you're just going to try to convince yourself the world would be a better place if these people were eliminated. And no, it wouldn't. <laughs> the world would be a better place when you forgive it, when you forgive the world, when you accept responsibility in your mind for happiness. When you accept the correction in your mind, the world turns happy. But as long as you still want to play a piecemeal game and think that there's certain characters that are worse than others, you're not really seeing that the filter, looking through the filter of the ego is where the distortion occurs. One time somebody asked uh, Gandhi, uh, they said, because Gandhi was very famous for his nonviolent stance, and someone asked Gandhi, they said, do you, do you really believe there is a devil? Uh, they asked Gandhi, and Gandhi said, well, if there is a devil, he's running around in our own hearts. Wow. If there is a devil, he's running around in, in our own hearts. Gandhi lived at the same time that Hitler, and, and Gandhi did not pass the buck over to Hitler. He said, if there is a devil, it's running around in our own hearts. That's how you heal it. You face it in your mind with the Holy Spirit and Jesus. You, you say, I'm going to the light, and I'm going to let go of this belief in ego. I am not going to hold on to this ego because it is it's giving me a distorted perception of separation and it's tempting me to blame certain ones, certain circumstances, certain ones. Saddam Hussein, it's saying, blame Saddam Hussein. No, no, it's the problem is not Saddam Hussein. The, the problem is the belief in separation from God. So in the movie here, George has just hit rock bottom. I mean, he's, he's now singing songs drunk <laughs> in his apartment, and, and he gets a prompt to call up, uh, call up Lisa. And Lisa's like, well, I'm seeing somebody now, but yeah, I can, I can come out for a dinner. And this is how the Holy Spirit works. Just when you're in the lowest of low, just when you have no hope whatsoever, there's a little prompt to call Lisa, who basically he just, he uh, told her, you know, your girlfriend set us up and it was a mistake and I'm seeing someone. So basically, he's, he made that phone call. Now he's, he's prompted to call her and have dinner with her. And this is how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit has to reach us through the characters. Because we have believed in the characters, the Holy Spirit has to use the characters to help us get in touch with what we believe. And that's what Jesus means by 
letting the Holy Spirit transform special relationships into holy relationship. A lot of times Course in Miracles students will toss this word around, I want a holy relationship, and they think it's an interpersonal holy relationship, and it does start that way. But what Jesus has to say about the holy relationship, he says the holy relationship is a phenomenal teaching, learning, accomplishment. Wow, that is an interesting definition of holy relationship, a phenomenal teaching, learning, accomplishment, meaning once you start to purify your mind of all of its judgments and grievances, then you're ready to open up to what the perspective of holy relationship. It's really a perspective. It's not a person. It's not a couple. <laughs> it's, it's not a soulmate couple. It's the perspective of looking on the world without judgment. In that sense, holy relationship is very, very close to what we could call the happy dream, because the happy dream is a dream of non-judgment. And the purification of special relationships is to take you to a holy perspective of all relationships. So you love everyone equally. You love everyone with agape, eternal, divine love. You see everyone with the same holiness, no matter what their appearance is. You can see Hitler and Saddam Hussein in in same light that you see Mother Teresa and Saint Francis. You see, it's a perspective in the mind. It's not a, a personal thing. It's very, very impersonal. It's very vast. It's expansive. So here we go. How lovely. We can see Lisa in the movie. She still isn't fully in touch with that her whole world is about ready to come down as she perceives it. And George already has, has hit rock bottom. <laughs> and yet he's prompted to have a dinner date. So isn't that a fascinating dinner date? Someone who's ready to lose their whole perceptual world and somebody who already believes they have. <laughs> that's, that's the way the spirit works, to try to begin going through the crack. The world have cracked, and now the Holy Spirit is going to find a way to reach in through the cracks to bring them joy, to bring them love. <laughs> How beautiful. She is in a room full of people that are reflecting that she's been mistreated. She is a, in a room full of teammates who want to protest, who are all saying, this is not right. Uh, she is in a room full of people that are basically witnessing that, that her life as she's known it is gone, but we have to do something to make it right. And what does she say to them? I have to go, I have a date. She's not even having a real date, she's just going to have dinner <laughs> with a guy that wouldn't meet with her a few days before. But you see, there's something inside of her that's activated to the healing. She keeps telling the, the teammates, I have to go, I have a date. She basically has a dinner with somebody she's never met who, who, who called a few days before to say, I, I can't uh, see you. <laughs> Isn't that lovely? 
this just shows you how the Holy Spirit works. Because even when you have your darkest hour, and she just had the tears coming down, she's just looking through all of her post-it notes of all of her affirmations and, and trying to keep everything together for the team. And now her world is starting to crash down, but somehow she knows she has to keep this dinner date, you see? And that's how beautiful the spirit is. Even in your darkest hour, the spirit will land you the next step that you need to take. The thing that you need to do that will open up your mind to the light, that will allow the light to come streaming through that darkness. So here we go, there. <laughs> she is leaving all of her teammates uh, in her uh, apartment and she is just heading out uh, for her next step towards healing. And that is so encouraging for all of us to know that that's always there for us, it's always available. <laughs> okay, okay, here we go, words of wisdom. The Holy Spirit is coming through. She just says she's not interested in sitting there and doing therapy with the psychotherapist, but she just says, can you just summarize everything that you've learned from all your years of psychotherapy? You see, she's always going for it. She's going for the shortcut. She's, she's going for the, the core. She wants to heal. And so she's saying, can you just generalize your what you've learned from all your years of therapy? Figure out what you want and then find a way to ask for it. You see how wise that is? Figure out what you want. And the, the best part of A Course in Miracles is Jesus is, is telling us this, both of those things. He's, he's, he's actually taking on number one, figure out what you want. And he's saying, well, what you really want is peace of mind. <laughs> you, you want inner peace. You don't really what, want what this world has to offer, but you do want peace. You want peace of mind. And then he tells us why. He says you were created in peace. God created you peacefully. God created you in love. God created you in joy. God created you as pure happiness, and therefore that's what you want. You want that state of mind, that state of being that you are created in. And then again, he reminds us that the world will not offer that to you. You have to find that within your own heart, and then you can shine that to the world. You can be the love, you can be the peace, you can be the happiness and joy, you can radiate it to the whole world, but you won't find it in anything specific in the world. You won't find it in an interpersonal relationship, you won't find it in a, in a career, you won't find it in a family, you won't find it in friends, you won't find it in a geographical location. As he says in the Course, the holiest spot on earth is where an ancient hatred has become a present love. Wow, sounds like he's talking about forgiveness, the perspective of forgiveness. So it's beautiful because in their own way, you know, George is starting to say, I have to keep it simple. Even when people aren't talking to me, 
even when the company now won't pay for legal representation and and the lawyer's saying it's basically 300,000 and 300,000 more it's basically 600,000 starting point for retainer fee and so basically George says well sell everything yeah the the lawyer says yeah that's good so Basically, George is being divested of everything. His girlfriend broke up with him. His company doesn't want anything to do with him. They won't pay his legal fees. And now he has to sell everything that he owns to go into this uh, system of seemingly facing whatever the charge is. And this is how the spirit works. The spirit is basically teaching us that the spirit is with us right now and that everything we seek for in the world to make ourselves safer or everything, as Francis said on Friday, everything we seek for that involves the body's betterment is a bar to healing, a bar to who we are. You see how that goes against all conventional wisdom, which always is saying, look out for number one, meaning look out for the person that you are, always look out for the person that you are, and always consider your personhood and your body's betterment in every decision you make. And Jesus is saying quite the opposite. He's saying, no, your mind training is important, your forgiveness is important, and letting go of placing value onto the things of this world, including the body, is not important. In fact, it will keep you from knowing who you are. He even works his way in his workbook lesson to lesson number 128. The world I see holds nothing that I want. And in that lesson, Jesus says, the only value that this world holds for you is that you pass it by. <laughs> that's that's his, his, what he's advising for us with the world. Pass it by. Be passers-by. He's, he's really teaching in Lesson 128 what he taught 2,000 years ago. Be passers-by. That's a very short teaching from Jesus probably one of the most impactful teachings along with judge not. Be passers-by. In lesson 128, he's saying, don't go for this world. So here's George, and he's in this situation now, and he's just had a dinner with Lisa. And you notice at the end of that dinner with Lisa, where they basically were quiet for the whole time and just enjoyed a meal together, and George is all smiles after that, after that. That was the best thing that could, could have happened. He said, that was the best thing that could have happened to me. A meal of just sharing a beautiful moment together, sharing a meal with no words. Because he's surrounded with advisors and surrounded with people telling him what he can do and can't do, who he can talk to and who he can't. And then he has a simple meal and then he looks at Lisa like, oh my God, this is a miracle. <laughs> Somehow, in the middle of all this, 
that this miracle has shown up. So this is what's happening. This is showing you the dynamics of healing. This is showing you how the Holy Spirit and Jesus work using the world that is believed in to take you to, to release it, to give up all thoughts about it. So there, there you have it, the Major League Baseball definition of love. <laughs> when you have condom with, with other girls. <laughs> so, you know, this, people always say, would you please talk about vibrational relationships? This is an example that is not a vibrational relationship. <laughs> this is, is an example of placating, of, of trying to distract yourself away from facing the hurt inside. And the ego uses relationships just for this. The ego emphasizes the body, the ego emphasizes pleasure, the ego emphasizes the conveniences and the comforts of the body. And for Lisa, played by Reese Witherspoon, you know, here she is, she's gone through the devastation of realizing that her career and her life as a professional softball player is over. She cried the tears, and now she's starting to get to the point where not, she doesn't want to talk about it with a therapist, but she's picked Maddie to open up her heart with and open up her pains with, except Maddie is not really able to hear her. Uh, he's not able to hear her and respond to her. He is responding to her body. He is a multimillionaire. He has a beautiful apartment. He has barbecue from a rookie that was flown in from, from Houston. He has all the things that you could want. In fact, he's got all the toothbrushes she could ever want in a lifetime, all the different outfits to wear after sex and taking a shower, but he's not there emotionally because there's a fear of love, there's a fear of intimacy, there's a fear of communication. The ego makes relationships in order to distract the mind away from looking in the mind and seeing where the problem is, you see? So there's two uses for relationship. One is to use the body of the other and use the the personality of the other as a distraction away from looking within and, and seeing what the lessons are. Where am I attached to my self-concept? What do I still value in this world that keeps me from knowing the truth of who I am? What games am I playing with myself and then trying to distract myself with the games of the world including career, including relationships, including anything, food, drugs. You can, the ego can use animals. The ego can use anything to keep away from the intimacy of looking at your mind. And there's even a subsection of A Course in Miracles that's called the fear to look within. We're seeing that in this relationship with, with Lisa and Maddie. You know, she has lost, in her perception, she's lost her career. Now she's got to come up with something to give herself meaning. And 
she is semi-dating a professional baseball player. You know, you see how the ego just shifts from a baseball career now to dating a baseball player, <laughs> you see? And so the ego is quite good at, at distracting the mind away from true communication, from being open, from being honest. Uh, he's trying to play by the rules, you know, he's trying to people please her, you know, she's like saying, you know, I, I, I want to talk to you about what's going on. And, and he says, oh, I thought I wasn't supposed to do that. Is that only at night? <laughs> you see, he's, trying to, he's trying to figure out the people-pleasing games of when he can talk and when he can't to keep the girl. But the, the purpose of life is not to keep the girl or keep the guy. The purpose is to discover what's going on in our consciousness that's blocking us from eternal life. That's That's what the purpose of of the world is, is for forgiveness. But forgiveness is in the mind. And you don't find it. You can't placate yourself. You can't find a substitute for love. Like uh, Madonna, her song on her Ray of Light CD, Substitute for Love. Jesus is telling us that you are not going to find a substitute for love in this world. And the ego will prompt you to try again and yet again and yet again. And Jesus says, you must have noticed for every goal that you've pursued in this world, it has not satisfied you. And that's why the ego is forced to come up with more goals, more situations, another person, another place. It's trying to keep you away from the atonement. It's desperately trying to keep you away from the holy instant where the love and the light is. So we can see that that um, in his own way, Maddie is is trying, he feels a spark there, and he he's like, wow, this, I'm in love, after his uh, relief pitcher friend gave the Major League Baseball definition of love. Then Maddie leans back and goes, yeah, I, I'm in love. <laughs> you see, and this is the farthest thing from the truth. <laughs> this is the farthest thing from the truth. But this shows you in a comical way that we have to start to realize everything that love isn't before we can truly appreciate the present moment and what love is. Okay, we'll, we'll continue on here. <laughs> okay, wow, what a powerful scene. You know, it's what uh, Jagita was asking me uh, at the beginning. She said, "I sometimes I feel guilty even about I should be saving time, I should be doing more, I should be doing something. But I love your teachings because you're basically saying it's all working together for good. You've never done anything wrong or right. And here he is with his secretary, Annie, trying to tell him the private thoughts of how bad the, his situation is. And he's saying, no, I'm afloat by knowing I've done nothing wrong. Isn't that beautiful? His innocence, he is floating day by day, moment by moment, with the idea that he's done nothing wrong. And in his mind, he has not done any, he's not done nothing wrong. He's a sweet guy, he's working at his dad's uh, firm, and um, he's just, going along and living his life, but now even with 
the mail that he's received that the federal government is investigating, even with his father's saying, um, basically, uh, the firm can't legally pay for his defense. And even with him not really knowing what's going on, in his heart of hearts, he knows that he hasn't done anything wrong. And she's like telling him, you know, you need to know, and I need to tell you somehow, some way, and and you need this to survive. And he said, I'm I'm already surviving. You know, he's he's following a path of healing, intuitive healing, because he's not defending himself. He's actually uh, this George character is a beautiful reflection of what Jesus taught. 2,000 years ago, if somebody smites you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. In A Course in Miracles, he's, he's following the lesson, in my defenselessness, my safety lies. He is not buying into the accusations. He is not buying into the private thoughts. And when she wants to spill all the private thoughts of, of what's being done to him, he says, I don't want to know. I don't need to know. And that is inner strength. That is the inner strength. That's, that's exactly how the healing occurs. You don't buy into the doubt thoughts. And that's also what Lisa's doing. When Lisa first uh, found out that she was cut from the team, her teammates came over to her apartment. This is not right. We're going to fight this and everything. And she said, I don't need this. I don't need this. Um, I just want to maintain my connection with all of you, but I really don't need this. And I have a date I have to go on. And then when she went to the date, she taught what she would learn. She said, uh, basically, let's just be quiet and be here and enjoy each other's company and have a nice dinner. And and he said, can I tell, can I talk to the waiter? And she said, as long as you don't talk about your day. In other words, if you're going to speak at all, don't speak about what's wrong. Just enjoy the quiet and the presence of this moment is what she's teaching. She was teaching what she would learn at that dinner date. And and he now is giving the gift away to his secretary, uh, Annie. She's basically, he's just saying, no, I'm staying afloat by knowing I did nothing wrong. This is so good. And this is basically, even if you would go to therapy, if you would go to a priest, if you would go to your Course in Miracles teacher, basically healing occurs the instant the therapist forgets to judge the patient. The, the instant we decide we don't know all the factors and we decide we can't judge, that's when we feel happy. The instant we decide we, we cannot make an assessment or a judgment, we are happy. The ego would say we're gullible. But no, Jesus says, no, you're actually happy. <laughs> when, when you admit honestly that you don't know, and you say, I cannot judge, then you're happy. And that's the whole point of, of spiritual awakening, is just to come 
to that clueless state of mind where you're so clueless of the world that you become so happy that you forgive it. Uh, there's one part in the Course where Jesus says, he describes salvation. He says, uh, I do, do not know the thing I am, what I am doing, where I'm going, or how to look upon myself or the world. And in this state of mind is salvation. Wow, he's saying we can be clueless. That's why Jesus was so happy and friendly is because he was clueless about the world. Even when people would try to, to corner him, even when they would try to trap him, even when they would try to get him to say something that would put himself in trouble, he was just in calm presence because he knew he didn't have to compromise with the world. Why? Because God didn't create it. <laughs> That's why he wasn't going to compromise with the world. He could remain calm, kind, friendly because of his state of non-judgment. He could realize that the world didn't need to be fixed, it only needed to be forgiven. And that was his great gift. He didn't try to fix the world, he just forgave it. He let it go. Forgive them for they know not what they do. He made a pronouncement on all the bodies of the world. They know not what they do. Because he was from heaven, he, he understood God's love. He understood what divine love was. Okay, here we go. Now it's getting interesting because we see with Lisa, she still, she still wants to try to be non-judgmental. So she's putting him herself in Maddie's apartment <laughs> to be non-judgmental. He gives her, on the top drawer of her dresser, he, he's concerned if he can give her a, a third of it or, or more, and he's like, maybe some people downstairs could take some of my stuff. She's like trying to, to do the right thing. Oh, no, no, it's okay. I, it's good. I'll, I'll just, I'll deal with it. I'll live with it. You know, when you try personally to do the right thing, it's a disaster. It's an absolute disaster. It's like you as a person have decided you're going to be non-judgmental. And she's she's moved in with Maddie and, and she's like, I'm going to make this work. This, this is not salvation. This is not following your intuition. You have to learn to open up. You're worth so much more than, than making it work in, in a professional baseball player's penthouse apartment. <laughs> There's, you're worth more than that, actually, you know, but she's got to discover this. Both, uh, both Lisa and George are dealing with unworthiness. They both are dealing, they don't feel worthy to feel loved. And, and she's lost, she's been cut from her softball team, so now she's kind of scrambling to try to figure out what she's going to do to be worthy. And she's even put herself in the girlfriend position again, but, but I don't think she really believes it. Like, she doesn't really deeply believe that this girlfriend position with this professional baseball player is going to make her happy. But when you don't, you're not in touch with your intuition, then you can't seem to figure it out. And then it gets awkward, and it gets crazy, 
and it gets confusing when you're trying to do the right thing, but you're not really in touch with your intuition yet. So she has not really made that intuitive connection yet. And George has not either. George is just floating, trusting day by day that he hasn't done anything wrong and that somehow it's going to work out. And that's beautiful. That's, that's a beautiful trusting position. Just when we thought it couldn't get any lower for George, now he's told that the government is going to bring formal charges. They are not investigating his wrongdoing anymore. They are going to indict him. They are going to formally charge him. So now you know what Jesus went through 2,000 years ago. <laughs> they, they weren't happy with his teachings, but uh, when they finally arrested him, <laughs> then he got to put it all into practice. George is just floating along and I haven't done anything wrong. And now his dad's saying, oh, the government's decided they're going to indict you. They're going to press formal charges, legal charges, criminal charges against you. So he's floating along in trust. He's floating along in I didn't do anything wrong. And this is where, right after his dad gives him this news, he goes into an elevator here and watch how the Holy Spirit and Jesus bring in Lisa to keep his faith going, to keep his trust going in healing, to keep his I didn't do anything wrong going. The Holy Spirit zooms in right into the elevator to, to strengthen the connection that will pull him into the innocence. You see, that's how the Holy Spirit works. That's a miracle. Send in a mighty companion. When you are most tempted to be self-critical, most tempted to be hard on yourself, send in a mighty companion, a, a witness of, of your escape. That's how the Holy Spirit works. So here we go. Now we're going to get to some really good stuff. <laughs> the ego will always show his face. <laughs> this is my place. She's floating along in her miraculous state of mind, uh, sees her acquaintance, George, is in trouble, invites him up. He invites the he says, I'll carry the groceries, and just invites him in as a, as a friend to be available for him. How beautiful. And then Maddie shows up, <laughs> and, and she cannot understand what the problem is. Like, what's the deal here? What, what did I do? She's just there trying to be truly helpful. And suddenly, you know, well, you know, you sh didn't, you should have asked me, da 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 da. What's the, what's going on here? What is the deal? And he's like, it's my place. Aha. You see how you don't have to figure this out. The ego will get exposed. The ego's agendas, the ego's control, the ego's need to be in charge. None of those things have anything to do with love. None of them. 
And, and so if you just float along and you stay in your purpose, you know, Jesus said 2000 years ago, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. Just flow along. Miracles are involuntary. Be about your purpose. Be about your genuine purpose for helpfulness and healing, and then let the ego be exposed for you. So anytime there's compromise going on in a relationship, anytime there's mixed purposes, the purpose of the relationship is to clarify the Holy Spirit's purpose and to show and expose the ego's purpose as something that you do not want. No one in deep in their mind wants to compromise. No one deep in their mind wants to play a role where they have to live up to this role and the expectations of this role in order to be valued and loved. That's not the worthiness of the Christ. That's the ego trying to say, come on, get a few scraps of worthiness here and there and compromise, play the game of compromise so that you can receive a few scraps of love and affection here and there. And Jesus is telling us that's not love. That is not love. You don't have to figure it out. Jesus will show it to you. <laughs> so now we get to see what is Lisa going to do? She's finally had a heart-to-heart -heart talk, her first heart-to-heart -heart talk with her boyfriend of what is it? Why is it a problem that I brought George into this apartment? And now you get to see how the healing happens because both George and Lisa are searching for integrity. They're searching for an inner love, an inner respect, an inner worthiness that comes from following your purpose, from following your life's calling and making no compromise in following your life's calling. That's how you heal not by playing the game of compromises where you feel like, oh, that's a little bit off, but I'm gonna, I'll pretend I didn't see that. Oh, I'll pretend I didn't see that. When you make compromises, lots of compromises, slowly you start to feel sad. You start to feel un unhappy. You start to feel stress and strain. So that's what I like about this movie. It's got all the nuances of relationships and what makes relationships awkward is only ego specialness. Without ego specialness, relationships are, are collaborative, they're joyful, they're loving, they're respectful. That's the way Jesus wants us to relate to everyone, everyone in the same manner, in the same kindness, in the same friendliness. That's what Jesus showed us. He showed us it's possible. To, to treat everybody with kindness and respect, regardless of what their behavior was. So here we go, we're getting into the really, really good stuff. <laughs> There's nothing too small. The Holy Spirit got a hold of the doorman. <laughs> you see, it's all based on guidance on what is the blessing for the whole. And even when the doorman sees those two walk away, he feels the goodness in it. He feels the goodness. And that's just an intuitive feeling. So when the boss calls, 
and says, you know, chase him, chase her down, <laughs> get a hold of her. He just smiles. He's like, no, I couldn't, she got away. I couldn't contact her. So that's that's where you just want to relax and follow the spirit, follow the joy in your heart, follow what feels right in your heart. And, and it's cute because uh, with George, you know, he still, he, he really likes her and he doesn't, I don't think he even understands why, but he likes her and when he's, she's saying, oh, do you live nearby? I need to charge my phone. He's like, hmm, an hour away. I live an hour away and by bus and, and he's just so honest with her. And then finally she says, good, good, good. And he goes, hmm, actually an hour and 10 minutes. I don't want to mislead you. He's aware that the ego inside has a strong investment in her. But he's so cute because he's still trying to watch his thoughts. And he says, actually, it's an hour and 10 minutes. I don't want to mislead you. You see, he's trying to really be truthful with her. And that just, that shows his heart, even though he's has huge feelings of unworthiness, maybe he doesn't even feel like he, he deserves her. He still is working on staying in the innocence with all the things that are happening to him in his life. And he's, he feels there's some kind of healing and goodness in his relationship with her, but he doesn't understand it. He doesn't even understand it, but he feels it on the inside. And that's what I mean, how you have to be intuitive. You have to stay intuitive moment by moment with all the things that are happening. You have to stay there in your intuition. You have to stay patient in your intuition, not trying to rush into anything, not trying to grab something, not trying to make something happen, but just resting with Jesus inside your heart. Just rest, rest. It's all going to come just at the perfect time, just in the perfect way, all things working together for good, never a problem or an issue, just waiting with the Spirit, waiting with the Spirit, letting everything be shown to you, just moment by moment. That's the healing. That's how this healing works, very gently. Okay, here we go. <laughs> there it is. When she gets a little Guinness and a, a little alcohol, she lays down the mask. And basically what she's just saying is she's just being so beautifully transparent that she doesn't fit in with this world. She doesn't fit in with the world. She can't bring herself to try to have a regular life. She's got a spiritual calling and and she didn't want to even admit that she didn't fit in. You know, she, but she feels like when she watches others, like they're pretending, like it's some kind of a game. And she had her whole mind focused on her career, her profession of being a professional softball player. So once that was taken away, now she is faced with who am I? 
and what is my life and how will I find value? And this is what Jesus wants us all to do, is to come back inward to that place where we start to question all the societal norms, the societal roles that never completely fulfilled us. We played it out. We tried it on our own, but deep inside we've known that there was some other calling or purpose that was actually the purpose for our entire life. And we couldn't sometimes bear to admit it to anybody else or even to ourselves, because of the failure we felt, because of the guilt we felt, the shame. I know, you know, in the parable of David, I, I went through a lot of stuff in high school trying to figure out what are you going to be when you grow up. And I, I can clearly say that by the time I graduated from high school, I had absolutely no clue what I wanted to be when I would grow up. So I took 10 years of university to try to figure out what I wanted to be on top of high school. And I can absolutely say with certainty, after 10 years of full-time university, I absolutely had no clue what I wanted to do with my life in this world. And that's when Jesus came in with the Course. And he just was saying to me, yeah, the reason you can't figure it out, like what you should be in the world, is because you're not supposed to be anything. <laughs> in the world. I'm calling you out of the world. I'm calling you to the kingdom of heaven. I'm calling you to remember your divine creator, your, your true divine nature. You never fit in this world. You never could make it work. You never could solve the riddle of your linear self-concept because it was a lie. You could not live a lie, and you didn't want to admit to yourself that you could not live a lie. So it's so beautiful. Here they are, finally, George and Lisa, and they have a few drinks, and he's encouraging her to speak it up, and finally she does. She doesn't fit into the regular world, the regular life. She can't ultimately play the girlfriend and feel the love and with the babies and everything. There's something much, much deeper, much, much deeper. And she's willing to just spill the beans there uh, with, with George. So here we go. Now we're getting to a bit of, of true healing because now you can see that the crack is there for George and for Lisa. They have reached the point of the crack. They have reached the point where they, they cannot go ahead with what they believed to be searching in the world to try to find that intimacy and that love and happiness. This, now the crack is starting to occur. And once the light starts coming through, they're going to have to start to let go of all of their compromises all of their relationship compromises, whether it's, it's with it's Lisa with Maddie, whether it's with George with his father, <laughs> Charles. He ran away from Charles 
he's had this very antagonistic relationship with his father. But the only antagonism is when we compromise, when we're doing some kind of compromise on the inside. That's what projects out an antagonistic relationship. When we answer our calling, that's the end of the friction. When we answer our divine calling, that's the end of the antagonism. That's the end of fear. That will be the end of fear when you answer your calling. That will be the end of guilt when you answer your calling. There's nothing your calling can't do to, to light your mind up because the mind is naturally light. It, it's, it, it has to be natural to, to move into that light. So here we go. We'll keep going. <laughs> it takes a while for us to, to wise up. <laughs> it takes a while for us to realize that communication is the most important thing. When, when she said to him, call me whenever, that is the beginning of the invitation to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> because really that's what, what our mind needs in its sleepiness. We need to call on the Holy Spirit whenever. <laughs> we need to realize the value of true communication, the value of true ideas, the value of extending true ideas, the value of collaborating in these true ideas that are given to us from the Holy Spirit, that's everything. That's the, that is the meaning of the relationship. And whenever we feel like we have to try to maintain something in form to the detriment of, of that communication, to the detriment of that full communication, then that's where there's a compromise. So initially when they were coming up in the elevator, when, when uh, basically George had his darkest hour, he'd just been told that by his father, you're being indicted. And he had that holy encounter in the elevator. That was the point where things began to open up, where the, the communications started to come to, to take over. And naturally she invited him up to, uh, to the apartment that she shared with Maddie. And she could not understand why that was a problem, that she was helping a friend out in need and inviting him to the apartment. She absolutely could not understand why that was a problem. And little by little, we are convinced by the Holy Spirit that that is never the problem. For when we're trying to be truly helpful with somebody and just offering our heart or a willing ear to listen to them or to join and connect with them, we are about our Father's business. We are, we are serving our own awakening and the awakening of everyone. But we have to learn to be trained to see that that is the most valuable thing we can do. That's how you get open to be a miracle worker. Instead of these agendas about boyfriend, girlfriend, agendas around families, agendas about roles, agendas around responsibilities, those are the blocks to just saying to Jesus, here I am, Lord, use me. I'm here for the healing of the universe. Use me without limitation. 
I will go wherever you want me to go. I will say whatever you want me to say. I will do, Lord, whatever you want for the greater good of everyone. Instead of these tiny ego roles and expectations, we are called to be the savior of the world. You know, salvation of the world rests on me. It means my mind on, on being a conduit for the Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus is a great example. He became, he is in touch with everyone and everything, period. There, there is no limit on his communication. He communicates with us in mind. People sometimes say, well, I, I was going to ask Jesus, but he's too busy. I say, what do you mean? Jesus is too busy. Well, yeah, there's, there's billions of other people that, he's, that are praying for him for help. I don't want to bother Jesus. No, you don't understand. That's not how communication works. Jesus is in touch, intimately in touch, with all 7.8 billion, because it's all one mind. And he's, he's reaching us through that mind, through that love, through that light. Jesus is not busy. He's not busy. <laughs> he's here right now telling you, I'm not busy. I'm not busy. Call on me, please. <laughs> and, and this is what our main characters are learning. Of course, they still have fear issues, fear of intimacy. Of course, they still feel awkward. Because when she has to repeatedly remind uh, George, I've got a boyfriend, uh, and, and she has to remind him and remind him, the only reason she's reminding him of that is because of the belief that relationships are exclusive. That there's, you, that exclusive private relationships are real, you see? That's why she has to remind him of that. What Jesus is saying is, no, we're all one mind. And you may believe that relationships are private and exclusive, but they are not. And they never have been. And once you come closer to the Holy Instant, you'll see that you're in relationship and in communication with every one and everything without exception. That's the mind of Christ. When your mind is totally open and in touch, connection with everything and everyone, then, then that is what reality is. That's, that's approaching reality. So don't you love how sweet it is, though, because these two are slowly healing. And um, it's great because uh, George still has to work a few things out with his, his secretary, Annie, with his father, Charles. Uh, and we can see that Lisa still is going through a purification with, uh, with, with Maddie. She keeps going back to Maddie, even though he writes his chosen piece, he takes photographs of his sad face, he writes on a piece of paper, I, I got so mad I broke, I, I broke a lamp. That's his big, insightful <laughs> message that he had to get across to her. And she was very, she was good. She kind of smiled. She said, oh, okay, that's, 
<laughs> you know, she's she accepted it. <laughs> but she has to realize she's actually worthy of deep messages, <laughs> not not I I broke a lamp. <laughs> I got, got so mad I broke a lamp. She has to realize she's worthy of true communication. She's worthy of it. She doesn't have to analyze whether she's always doing the right thing. She just has to realize she is worthy of true communication. She is worthy of love and acceptance. And that's our, that's everybody's lesson. So, okay, we haven't seen a movie like this. This movie's really uh, taking us into the in, inroads of relationships here. All right. Well, you can see how important communication is. You know, he goes to his father, admits he's been avoiding him, and then it's like the Holy Spirit takes takes over George's body and, and says to his dad, did you do it? Repeatedly, did you do it? You see how direct that is? This is how you let the Holy Spirit undo the confusion in your mind. You let the Holy Spirit direct your conversations. And he goes in there to his dad and says, did you do it? And when his dad's defenses come up, you know, he's basically wanting to have an honest an honest conversation with his dad. And his dad says, where you're going with this conversation is minefields. <laughs> Listen, that's the ego. Whenever you're trying to have a direct heart-to-heart -heart communication about the basics and the defenses come up, that's the ego. It doesn't want you to have a heart-to-heart -heart communication. It doesn't want you to talk about real things and, and get to the real communications of the heart and of the mind. And then we see, we see when she goes back, when she, when she goes back to Maddie, Lisa basically comes to that point where she says, are we monogamous? And that's pretty much the same as, as George saying to his father, did you do it? She's saying to Maddie, are we monogamous? And then his spin starts. <laughs> He's spinning and spinning and spinning because he, he doesn't want to answer the question. He's afraid of the breakup. He's afraid of losing her. So he spins around anonymous sex and all kinds of different things. And, and this is how the healing occurs. If you, if you pray for healing, the Holy Spirit will put the words in your mouth, including the questions you need to ask, the things you need to say, to bring things to the surface so you can have a heart-to-heart -heart connection without secrets, without lies without games, just a heart-to-heart -heart connection in this moment. That's what the Holy Spirit is leading us towards. And this is the beginning, of course, is the unraveling of the ego. Jesus says uh, his second characteristic of the 10 characteristics of a teacher of God, his second one is honesty. His first one is trust. And you see how they go together. And but for Jesus, honesty is consistency. 
And we have to have pure thoughts to have consistent peace of mind. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to purify our mind if we're going to have honest, consistent communication. If we're not going to be playing ego games, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit to inspire honest, consistent communication. So I think this is a big turning point in the movie because George has gone to his father's office and, and said, did you do it? And basically, his father is just saying, well, you know what pain I've gone through. And he's, no, he's not buying, George is not buying all that. And basically, the father says, it's going to get worse. <laughs> this is the ego's big threat. If you're honest, if you expose your, your heart and you speak honestly and truly, the ego says it's going to get worse. Your life will get worse. But you know, it's not that way. It actually gets better. You actually approach the light through the consistency of thought. You approach the light through the, through the deep communications. You approach the light through saying what you're given to say. And that's what healing relationships are about. Saying what you need to say. Saying what the Holy Spirit would have you say. Unwinding the, the conundrum, the, the box of ego lies, one lie at a time until you can be like Jesus and basically say what you mean, mean what you say. Your integrity grows. Everything you think and say and do and feel starts to become harmonized, integrated, consistent. That's the Christ. That's the Christ. That's what Jesus was, was modeling, showing us. We're coming into integrity. Integrity is important. I'm talking about emotional integrity. I'm talking about thought integrity, belief integrity, perception integrity. And ultimately, your prayers become integrated too. You know, you aren't praying for small things. You're praying for purity of heart so that you may know God, the Creator. You see how important that is? That's how important the prayers are. Purifying the prayers, purifying our inner desires. So here we go, we'll continue on, but now we see it's all starting to come clean because through honesty, through honest, open, direct communication, we are now seeing the purpose of relationships. That is the purpose of all relationships, honest, open, direct, transparent communication. That's it. That's what will lead to the love. So there you have it with George and Charles. Finally, it comes to the surface and basically, Charles says, if, it, if I just say it as it is, I could, I'm in prison for 25 years to dead. So the next thing would be for his son to have a plea bargain and not to fully tell the truth, to compromise yet one more time, but to save dead through compromise. 
You see, the ego always will play the compromise card. And what is underneath compromise is always guilt. You know, even in the United States court of law, when you go in there and they tell you to put your hand on a Bible, they, they ask you to recite the words. Are you, do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. That's, a, that's an interesting thing to have to say when you're into a trial and you have to put your hand on a Bible and say those words. And basically Jesus is saying the same thing with the Course. He's saying the truth is true and only the truth is true. That salvation offers no compromise of any kind. Jesus is never, ever, ever asking us to compromise. If you think you need to take a compromise to protect your father, to protect your neighbor, to protect your child, it's the ego that's telling that to you. Truth has no compromise of any kind. And so this is what we face when we forgive. We, we have to start to realize that the game of compromise is not a game that we would play any longer. So basically, George was just trusting, 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 and then when he's sitting in the park with his uh, secretary, Annie, she says, you need to talk to your father. That was the Holy Spirit coming through. You need to talk to your father. For all of us, we need to talk to God. Yeah, <laughs> we, need to, we need to have a talk with God. We need to have a conversation with God, the Holy Spirit and Jesus. But for him, that was the prompt. You need to talk to your father. And then when he said, why? She said, well, he's the only one that will talk to you. She knew more than that. But she knew that she had to deliver what she had to say. You need to talk to your father. Then when George finally talks to his father, then the whole can of private wor private thoughts comes up. The whole can of worms comes up. Uh, yep, here's what I did. Um, and here's the consequences if, if uh, I, I tell the authorities. And um, that it all comes out eventually that basically, uh, George is going to have to make a decision. He's either going to have to go for the complete honesty in order for his heart to open and the healing to occur without compromise of any kind. And actually, that's what Lisa discovered too in her conversation uh, with Maddie. She, just out of the blue, she has the question of Maddie, are, are we monogamous? <laughs> you see how the Holy Spirit always knows the right things to, to raise, the right questions, to unravel the self-concept. And then, of course, Matty tried to do everything he could to explain, justify, move things around. Even when the, when the door is closing and the elevator is closing, he shouts the word monogamy. And he had told her, I will be monogamous in the future. <laughs> you see, hypothetically. 
We're we're hypothetically monogamous. You see how the, this is it. It's like the Holy Spirit is just using the conversations to undo all self-concepts, all lies, all deceptions. That's the whole point of the conversation. The conversation is, is about undoing the lies and speaking the truth. And then if you keep doing that, and you keep doing that, and you keep letting your mind and your body be used for that purpose, then that's what un unravels the ego, quite simply. The ego cannot exist in the face of truth. In the, it, it is always just a web of lies that's always trying to protect itself and cover itself. So we can see our main characters are taking huge strides now towards integrity, huge strides towards self-honesty, and, and really towards their intuition, which knows what's best for them. Even though the, the past keeps haunting them and tempting them, they are being drawn deeper and deeper into the integrity of, of the intuitive life. What a scene! What a scene! The fear of love, the fear of expressing love, the fear of that direct communication, she calls him from outside his apartment. And he answers knowing that she is beneath him on the, on the street. And they conduct the whole conversation as if they both don't really know what's going on. She, she's not letting on, she's at his apartment. He's not letting on, he's aware that she is at the apartment. That shows you the length that the mind will go to when it's afraid of love. When it's afraid to say, you know, here I'm here, I'm going through some stuff, I, I'm right outside your door, I'm right outside your apartment, uh, can I come up? Because the mind is so afraid of that love, so afraid of that direct connection that it believes it needs stories. It needs to invent stories to make it justifiable to make it okay to connect. What a great scene to show us the great lengths that the ego would go through to keep us from that heart-to-heart -heart loving connection, that it feels so deep and so intense. So she's trying to say, oh, remember, you know, I'm trying to nail down our, I said, nail down their friendship, like I'm call me anytime, she's calling him, because she's drawn to that deeper communication. And he's drawn to that deeper communication, but both of them are still afraid of it. So this is where the Holy Spirit has to convince our mind that we are worthy of love, that we are worthy of the love. Because until we get the lesson that we are worthy of the, of the love, then the game playing seems to continue. Hesitation, doubt, back and forth, you know, all the games that go on is just the, what linear time is about. It's just not really accepting the love that is here for us right now in the present moment. And then all the games go on. And then we tell ourselves, oh, there's reasons 
the excuses, well, I haven't talked to so-and-so for so long, or I don't know what they would think if I called them, and all the ego's ideas that, that are tied into the fear of love, the, the fear of direct, open communication. So what a movie. Wow. This is our happy dream retreat. Jesus is like laying it bare. He's like saying, don't be afraid of it. Uh, this is what I'm offering to you. This is what I want for you. This is what you want in your heart of hearts. And these actors and actresses are showing us in this movie, uh, they're just acting out the fear for us to see it. This is how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit knows when they finally come together in his apartment, it's there's still too much fear. It's still an awkward feeling. They still aren't ready <laughs> to, to open up their hearts and talk because of the fear of love. The, the fear of love is so high. So as soon as they're in settled in the apartment there, after he says what he needs to say, like, don't, let's not talk, you know, which is what she said to him in the restaurant. Like, they, they're still a bit over their heads in fear of love. Then the next thing the Holy Spirit does is the phone rings, and now they're both being called to Annie's pregnancy and having her baby. They're being called into a situation where they can witness the love and it's not too threatening for themselves yet. They can witness the love in other people. That's what the Holy Spirit has to do when you're too afraid of, of direct communication and love. You have to see it in the movies. You have to experience it through seemingly other people because it's still too threatening for yourself. Then you can see the witness of it and that starts to melt away the fear. So let's watch how, how amazingly the Holy Spirit works in washing away this intense fear of love that uh, Lisa and George are both experiencing, particularly with regard to love in, in their relationship. So you can see already the Spirit is using this gathering, this quantum gathering here, because um, when Jack Nicholson finally comes in and brings his presence, which are two gifts, uh, which is the way the ego gives gifts in form, uh, all of his guilt around parenting is coming up. Uh, he's trying to buddy up to the to the the groom, so to speak, or to the to the father of the baby, and saying, you know, don't let anybody give you a hard time about you know, doing the right things with parenting, which is what Charles is expressing. He has tremendous guilt around the family, around his relationship with his son, around parenting, the things he could have done differently, the things he should have done. And he's kind of trying to say to the father of the baby, you know, don't, don't give yourself a hard time. That's just the way it is. They're there, there really are, there is no such thing as good parents, to which three people in the room say, I, I was raised with great parents. You see, the Holy Spirit comes rushing in. Oh, you try to make a bad negative assessment of parenting even, and the Holy Spirit's like, oh no, 
three people witness, including Lisa at the end, that they were raised by great parents. So even though the ego is trying to make everything dark and, and include a very pessimistic perception of the world, which is what it tries to do with everything, the witnesses that know it's not that way come in. And this is really undoing the guilt around parenting because every single situation we perceive, like this one here, is holistic. Everyone is playing their part perfectly so we can get the lesson in our mind of forgiveness. So we can forgive the meaning that we read onto the situation. Uh, the best example of that, of course, is Jesus. There was a time when he was teaching 2,000 years ago, and Mother Mary uh, rolled up to the scene in the middle of Jesus's teaching session, and the apostles, some of the apostles were like, oh my God, his mom's here, and make way and let her come up close and do all these different things. And when Mary finally got up to the front where Jesus could see her, this is the words that came out of Jesus's mouth. Who is my father, mother, sister, brother? He that does the will of our father in heaven is father, mother, sister, brother. Jesus was teaching quantum physics 2,000 years ago, before it was invented, that every situation is a whole that there are no separate situations, just like there are no separate people. There are no separate time dimensions. There are no separate situations. The Christ is the bright light of truth that shines beyond dimensions, beyond levels, beyond situations, beyond circumstances. One time, years ago, I was asking myself, I want, when does the situation begin and when does it end? <laughs> You know, that's a philosophical question. And Jesus was like, it's, it, it doesn't. Nothing begins and ends. It's all simultaneous. It's all happening simultaneously. There are no beginnings and there are no endings. There is no birth. There is no death. The, everything is holistic. That's what the quantum field in quantum mechanics is all about, that Einstein and others discovered, the quantum field, everything is energy, everything's connected, and everything's simultaneous. So, so all the guilt just comes from having a very tiny egoic perception of the event. When we saw uh, Annie on the phone saying, oh, now you get to, here comes the baby's father, and then when Jack Nicholson was the first one to walk through the door, I was watching your faces. <laughs> Just to see your reactions. <laughs> Just to see the reactions of thinking that Jack Nicholson, reading meaning into the situation as if Jack Nicholson was the father. <laughs> no, 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 far from it. Everyone is playing their part perfectly, but the, but the forgiven mind sees the situation as a whole. Everybody's playing their parts perfectly. Now, let's move to the next part of this amazing teaching scene, because we know 
that uh, we see Lisa and we see George with their fear of communication. They're, they've been whisked away from their George's apartment now to this scene. And already uh, when they first walked in the door, Annie said, uh, oh, George, we've, we've all heard so much the parents said from Annie about Lisa walking in. She doesn't think she knows any of these people or she's connected in any way. But George has been confiding in Annie, his love and his connection. So she's starting to be brought in like, oh my gosh, I'm a part of this and I don't even know it. And little by little, they've been brought there to witness the love between this couple that just had the baby because of their own fears of love and their own fears of intimacy, the spirit is bringing in this couple to show them you don't have to be afraid. You can accept the love. You don't have to be afraid of each other. Like Jesus is like saying, here, watch this. Watch all the love here in this room and start to realize that you are deserving of that love just as much as anyone else. Here we go, part two of the great scene in the hospital bed to see the love that's there, to witness the love. <laughs> so, <laughs> the Holy Spirit gives this whole scene to them, including the recording of it, so that, that Lisa and George can witness this huge love this huge love, and they can, you can see it on Lisa's face. She's like, what am I beholding here? What is, wow, this is amazing. She didn't even want to come. <laughs> and now the Holy Spirit's showing her all this love as a huge witness. And then, did you get it? <laughs> Al says, says to George, did you get it? And he's like, oh my God, he didn't push the red button. What's that about? Well, I'll tell you, this is how Jesus works. He not only gives you the best scene to witness to the love, but immediately he will make it so you have to teach what you would learn. He will take you from the witness mode, and then you are going to have to jump in and teach what you would learn. Soon as you witness it, you have to teach it to reinforce it in your mind. Now watch how it happens. Just because the red button wasn't pushed, suddenly we're going to see that both Lisa and George are activated to teach what they would learn. They not only have witnessed all this love, now they have to spring into action and teach what you would learn. So here we go. This is a classic teaching scene. This is how the Holy Spirit works. As soon as you witness it, he's going to have you speak it, act it out, teach it, to really strengthen it in your mind. What Lisa and what George were too afraid to say to each other in the apartment, <laughs> Holy Spirit whisked them away to a hospital room, and they end up speaking the very words that they need to hear in their mind about their worthiness of love, 
about not wasting themselves in situations where they aren't can't fully be themselves and express. The Holy Spirit has them witness this scene and then jump in and speak the words. Both Lisa and George speak the very words because Jesus knows that what you speak is what you most need to hear in your mind. And when we say it to somebody, when we say it out loud, when we witness it out loud, we strengthen it in our mind because what we speak, when the Holy Spirit speaks through us, is what our mind most needs to hear. When we're honest, when we're authentic, when we don't hold back and we really let the love pour through us, those are the words that our mind needs to hear. We're not really speaking to other people, we're just performing a miracle for our own mind to hear the answer that we have been resistant to hearing. And that's why Jesus is calling everyone to be a miracle worker, because Jesus knows that you don't have to have a special resume to be a miracle worker, you just have to be willing. And then Jesus will put the words in your mouth that you most need to hear. In the, the backdrop of being helpful to your brothers and sisters, your mind will hear the, what it needs to hear to be escape the ego, to be love, to know itself is true love. That was a recent workbook lesson. All that I give is given to myself. In the ego's world, that doesn't make any sense because when you give something away, you have less of it, and whoever you give it to gets the, gets the benefit. But when you speak from the heart and you let the Holy Spirit speak from you, your heart, then you are blessed by what comes through you. And the miracle literally frees your mind of the ego. Freeze your mind, not your body, not your personhood, but freeze your mind that believed in bodies and persons. So these are, this is a spectacular, spectacular teaching movie where Jesus is just saying, just see that you always offer the gift to yourself. You're never really helping somebody else because there isn't anybody else. There's only one of us. But the only way we we really know that there's only one of us, one Christ, is we have to be truly helpful in seemingly countless situations where we speak what we most need to hear. And that's what's happening. So this, this one scene has taken them light years ahead because they were still wandering in the dark. And even though Jesus brought them together, they're still kind of wandering <laughs> like, wondering what is this for? What is happening here? But Jesus has a big, big plan, big plan for this whole thing. You see, when you speak up, the miracles just ripple. And when the two buses coming, this is like the Truman Show. The ego is trying to do everything to prevent the connecting and the joining. The ego sends in not one, but two buses. <laughs> <laughs> to try to keep them from sharing what's on their hearts. It's just always sending in distractions on a loop, one distraction, the next distraction, to keep from this heart-to-heart -heart sharing. 
But when she finally says, what's going on? Or you're acting weird. You were screaming and shouting. And he's like, no, I wasn't. And then he saw immediately that this was his opportunity, you know, to, to open up. And then after they had their beautiful opening where she said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to a birthday party, but we're coming at it from a different slant. Like she's basically saying she's really not really looking for that relationship with Maddie anymore. Then he gets that little glimmer of a reflection. And then just as she's getting on the bus, can I come to your birthday party? And then it even ripples out with the bus driver. Happy birthday. You see that just the, just that one little honest moment of speaking up because he felt worthy to say, can I come to your birthday party? That rippled out right away. And, and it brought a sense of lightness to everyone. He brought a lightness to him, to himself teaching what he would learn. And, and the Holy Spirit, the reason the Holy Spirit comes through him and says, can I come to your birthday? Because now he's, George is starting to realize, I, these are all opportunities for me to teach what I need to learn. That's what the birthday party is. It's an opportunity to show up and speak from the heart and really let the spirit come through and say what he needs to say. And the same with his father. You know, he's his father has given him a choice like, well, if you tell the truth, then I will go to jail. The father will go to jail for 25 to dead. But if you compromise and you do a, a plea bargain, then you'll get three years in prison, you'll pay the price for three years in prison, and I may be go free. <laughs> it's just, that's the that's what the offer is. And what is George learning, but he's got to learn not to compromise. He's if he's going to follow the spirit, he can't be compromising with family things. He can't be compromising and taking the fall for somebody else. We're never asked to take the fall for someone else. We're asked to rise up in integrity and bless everyone with Jesus. There's no losers. Everyone is blessed in the miracle. Everyone gains in the miracle. That's why we have to follow the Holy Spirit, because there's no loss involved. There's no sacrifice. No, no sacrifice. But you can see both Maddie and uh, Lisa, George, everyone involved in the situation is all based on integrity. You have to let the spirit put the words in your mouth and speak what you would learn. Teach what you would learn. Speak, be spoken through so you can strengthen it in awareness. So here we go. Now George is going to his birthday party, but his dad is waiting for his decision, what he's going to do. And uh, we know Maddie's very excited about this birthday party. And we know Lisa is going to the birthday party to teach what she would learn. But it all has to come through them. That's the only way it's going to resolve is coming through them. What is the spirit going to say through them is what's going to strengthen their integrity in their mind. 
That's the yes, the ego is ingenious. So so Maddie has given her an engaged to be engaged present. <laughs> Just like he promised her a future monogamy, he's giving her an engaged to be engaged, just like his parents. So they can go for years. <laughs> you see. And and all of this is showing that how the ego will use time to defend against honesty. Engaged to be engaged. Wow. That's a that's a pretty sneaky future gift. A big, valuable, probably diamond wrist uh, bracelet. And it turns out to be an engaged to be engaged. Did you catch it? You know, whenever you put it off into the future, you're always defending against something. In fact, Jesus says in the Course, uh, you know, be not content with future happiness, for it is not your just reward, for you have cause for freedom now. Jesus is always pointing to the Kingdom of Heaven at hand in the now. Everything that you put off to time is another ego trick. Because as long as you put it off to time, the ego can make that time hell. <laughs> Believe me. It can turn that time into hell. That's what linear time really is, but it makes it pitfalls, falling apart, failing, breaking up, crashing. It will throw everything in there. It will it will make time into hell because that's why it made time to guard against eternity. So it's interesting, right when uh, he presents it, his uh, engaging to be engaged in the future, uh, that's, that's exactly when uh, George walks in. George walks in the door right at that point. And that's the way things go in life, is that if you just succumb to time, and if you are constantly thinking about the things of time, and thinking about a better future, what you're really thinking about is a projection of the past, and you're hoping it's better. But the ego doesn't care, even if you hope the future is better, because it will still make it hell. <laughs> It can it can turn linear time into hell so easily with anything. So that's why we're we're learning from Jesus. Don't put your hope into future happiness. You have cause for freedom and escape right now. Be integrous right now. Be honest right now. Don't hide anything right now. You see, it's all happening right now. That's our this is our point of power. This is the point of the mind training, is the now. And even though he told his dad, George told his dad, Charles, she's up there at the party. And if I go up there and I have any chance with her, I, I will not sacrifice that for anything, for for prison terms, for letting down your father, for thinking how it could have been different for your father. If if I go for this and and 
I really experience the gift of what this offers me, then that my decision is made. It would be perverse to try to go in another direction if the present healing was right before you. And that's what Jesus is really saying to us right now through the movie, is it would, it's perverse to try to work it out in a different way when this moment you know what is confronting you. This moment you could, you're aware of where you're compromising. This moment you know that you can call on the Spirit to speak through you and move through you in a way that will set you free and set everyone free. You don't just set your own personhood free, you set the whole universe free with this uh, atonement, with this correction. So here we go, it's getting interesting now. We're at the birthday party to see what will happen. <laughs> well, that, that movie really gives us a, a glimpse into faith. It takes faith to keep listening and following, to, to, to just stay in this moment and keep your faith burning bright in one moment at a time to reach a point where you can just soar into expansiveness. And when you keep the faith, you're really keeping the faith to hide nothing from the Holy Spirit. So even when embarrassment comes up, or even when doubt comes up, or fear arises, you start to be able to more to welcome the emotions to come up because you know there's something that will come through you, through the Spirit, to strengthen your faith in, in the Spirit's plan for you. You don't have to know the future, you just get more of a present confidence in your present connection with Spirit. And so you start to allow present trust to lead the way. You don't need to analyze the past. You don't need to figure out the future. You don't need to come up with the plan. The plan is to stay present right now with the Spirit and let the Spirit give you the instructions, give you what what you are to say and do. Let the Spirit put the words in your mouth. You don't have to avoid situations anymore or avoid meeting somebody. If the prompt comes in to meet them, you can go with happy confidence that the Spirit will say through you what needs to be said. You don't have to figure your worldly life out. What a relief. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to figure it out. You just have to stay in present trust. And, and this is really perfect for our happy dream uh, retreat because that is really the key to the happiness, staying present, staying attuned, staying open, and not running from people or situations. You even have a feeling at times where you just know something is coming and you just take a deep breath and you relax. 
and you say, okay, I'm ready now to, to be used in this plan. I don't have to, again, figure it out based on past learning. I just have to trust you, Lord, to give me what needs to be said and done. And even give me the willingness to, to just be still and just behold the world in a beautiful, beautiful new way. So what a touching movie. Isn't it fun to wake up through relationships? <laughs> this, is, this is a new way to, to perceive the world, a new way to experience the world. And, and it gives you a bit of a, of, of a feeling of how the Holy Spirit's working, using relationships to bring, bring us to integrity so we can feel that integrity, that harmony, that confidence that comes from feeling you're in alignment with your intuition and you're answering your call. It wasn't overtly religious. It wasn't overtly spiritual, but wow, you could see this movie was used to teach us the, the, the wisdom of being able to be tuned into the intuition. There wasn't a lot of the theology there. There wasn't a lot of believing in this or that. They just had to trust and open up and witness and speak what was given them. And they did. They did it with such great success. So thank you all. Thank you for sharing this intimate movie with you. Uh, I was delighted that Jesus brought this one. I had, uh, I had not seen this movie uh, and wasn't in my Movie Watcher's Guide to Enlightenment, but uh, as usual, Jesus knows the beautiful, perfect movie that we need for what's given to us, what we're dealing with right now. So I send you love and blessings, and we will rejoice all the way. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs>